Good morning again. And Merry Christmas. We've only got one more week to go. One more week to go before the craziness in our houses. But next Sunday, we get to celebrate together the birth of Christ. See, over the past few weeks, we have been in a sermon series where we've been discovering the heart of Christmas. Often, you see, we get lost at this time of year. We get lost in all the gifts and the decorations and all the parties we have to attend. And we, we miss the central focus, the central focus of the Christmas season. See, Jesus was born to bring us the gifts of hope, peace, joy, and love, which is the real reason for Christmas. See, the first, the first week we learned about hope and that, that, he, that, that Jesus offered us hope in the middle of our circumstances because of God's faithfulness. See, we can all look at our lives and see where God pulled through for us when we didn't deserve it. We've, we, if you've been following Christ long enough, You've got stacks of these in your, in, in, in your pocket to pull from when you think there's no more hope. Because God continues to pull food for us. See, in the second week, we looked at the wonderful gift of peace that Jesus' sacrifice makes available for us. See, we are made right with God, not because of anything that we've done, But because of everything that he did, we do not deserve the grace that is offered to us. If we would, they'd have to change the name because grace means that we didn't deserve it. We get offered it. And last week we learned about the joy. It's ours. Not because everything's going great. Because it's always not always going great. Or if you, if you read your Bible, which I strongly suggest, you'll see that everything's not going great all the time. But under all circumstances, we're doing this life with God. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you get to do the rest of your life with God. That's what brings you joy in all circumstances. And for this final week, before Christmas Day, we're going to take a look at a theme within Scripture that truly holds us all together. At the heart of Christmas is the great love of God for each and every one of us. So, but before we get started, I want to be honest with you. As we prepare this week, to celebrate Christmas, whether, whether you exchange gifts on Christmas Eve, Christmas, well, people do it all the time, all over. I want to I wanna prepare you. I'm going to prepare you for this. Because we're going to do Christmas, we're going we're gonna to exchange gifts, and then you're going to get a gift and you're going to go, how do I respond to this gift? How? There's always a gift that you get and you go, They brought me that. 
But I am going to prepare you today for this circumstances. So, if you want to write them down, feel free. But I'm, I'm going to prepare you with eight ways to respond to a gift that, be, that may be more, less than desirable. Number eight. Well, 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 now there's a gift. <laughs> Number seven. No, really, I didn't know that there was a cheer pet tie. Oh, wow, it's a clip-on too. Number six. You know, I always wanted one of these. Jog my memory. What is it called again? You know what? I'm going to find a special place to put this. the garbage. (laughs) Number four, boy, you don't see craftsmanship like that every day. Three, and it's such an interesting color too. Two, you say that that was the last one. Am I glad that you snapped that baby up? And finally, you shouldn't have. No, really, I mean it. You really shouldn't have. So there you go. I hope that prepares you for that one gift that you get that you go, why would somebody buy me this? Because we know we're going to get something like that. So today, we're going to speak about a gift that you'll never have to rehearse a response for. You'll never have to rehearse what to say when you receive this gift. See, it is the greatest gift that has ever been given to us. And Christmas is the time in which it was presented to us. See, when God sent his son to be born, it was an expression of his unfailing and relentless love. He didn't give up on us. I know who I am. He should have given up on me a long time ago, but he didn't. See, he knew the person I was going to be. You see, here's the thing. I say this. God didn't just die for the past sins. He died for the present sins and all future sins. Even though he died 2,000 years ago, he knew what an idiot I was going to be. And all the sin that I was going to commit. And he died for that for me. He did the same for you. You see, his love, his love is a gift that is thoughtful because it meets our greatest need. Our greatest need is our sinful fallen state. It is the gift. It is a gift that is priceless because it could never be purchased apart from Christ's blood. See, you can earn salvation. You can't be good enough. 
Your bad outweighs your good. And all your good is only done through the spirit that lives within you. You're really not capable of it. See, it is a gift that is priceless because it could only be purchased apart apart from, it could not be purchased apart from Christ's blood. It is a gift that is timeless because the grace of God is never ending. God's grace will never end. He has poured it out on us and it will never end. I actually had an interesting conversation with my sister. And because my sister watches weird shows, in my opinion, but that's just me. She watched, she watched the Jeffrey Dahmer, or however you say it, Dahmer, Dahmer, whatever his name, special. You know, they made a show, and she watched the whole thing. And in the show, at the end of the show, Jeffrey Dahmer, and I didn't watch this. This is what I've been told from my sister, so if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. At the end of the show, Jeffrey Dahmer actually gets baptized. And the guy who killed him professed to be a Christian, but couldn't live with the fact that Jeffrey Dahmer might be in heaven. So he killed him. And I said, because my sister's on the fence, and I said to my sister, well, I'll be more likely to see Jeffrey Dahmer in heaven than I will the guy who professed to be a Christian and killed him. Grace will cover all sin. I don't think you're doing God's work, though, thinking that, because if Jeffrey Dahmer did not accept Christ, I'm not saying he did or didn't, that's between him and God, okay? He would be, if he accepted Christ, he would be acceptable to God. Not because of what he's done, obviously. Because of the grace of God. Paul was no better, and he wrote, Half the New Testament. Paul was a murderer of Christians. He was a murderer of God's people. We are saved by grace and grace alone. Now, if we fully put our trust in God at any point in our life, we will change because we are are saved, and we've put our trust in God. So we say, hey, I'm not following my way no more. I'm following God's way. And above all else, at the heart of Christmas, we have love. God's gift was right on time. God's gift was right on time. Have you ever re- received a present or some sort of a, a gift of any kind at any time of the year that has, had come at the exact time that you needed it? I mean, I can't count how many times that, that something's been given to me at the exact time that I needed it. And a gift can be Money, a gift can be... I think we've all received something in our lives at that particular time that it came right on time. Right when we needed it, it was given to us. 
The only person we told was God. God knew that we needed this. And he shows up. That, that, that's how great God is. He shows up at the exact right time in history when he needed to show up. Because all the prophecies that were said about him, for more, if you take them, they couldn't come true at any particular time until the point where he was born. Because crucifixion wasn't even around when the last prophecies were written about Jesus being hung on a tree. So the Romans had to come, conquer, do all the bad that they did. Come up with this sick, demented idea of nailing somebody to, the, to, to a cross before Jesus could be born. So God weaved through history. And came at exactly the right time to pay the price for you and me. And, and the reason he didn't wait till 2022 to come is because we'd be so busy looking at our cell phones, we wouldn't even know that he was here. He had to come at a time when the world needed it. And he was ready and everything was in place. And he came at exactly the right time. See, let's take a look at the book of Galatians. As Paul talks about the timing of Christmas as he wrote to the church in Galatia. Chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, under the law. To redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. See, from the moment creation was broken by sin, at at the fall... You know the story. Eve's being tempted by the serpent. Adam's standing around doing nothing and letting the tempter tempt. And then he eats. He was responsible to take care of Eve. He was doing a poor job. And sin entered man. Because they act from the tree of good and evil. So now they knew good and evil. That is when sin entered man. But right away, God, being God, loving us, made a promise. A promise to save us. From our own stupidity. See, 
The Bible is an account of God's divine purpose and faithfulness to reverse the effects of the fall. He is reversing the effects of the fall by sending his son to die for us. Now we can enter, if we put our trust in him, into God's kingdom. That's amazing. That is amazing. See, Paul wrote that when Jesus, Paul wrote that, that Jesus came and was born to Mary. He didn't put Mary's name in the text. The fullness of time had come. So it was at the perfect time. It was the right moment in history to send his son to make a way for the world to be restored. See, because of his love, God was not content to sit back and watch his creation suffer. See, God went to great lengths to be with us and make us part of his family once again. No other religion on the face of the earth says, my God, your God comes down and wants to do life with you. Jesus did that. Here's a story that reminds me. Of love. Tracy Howell of Leonard, Texas, found a unique way of showing her husband both her love and fellowship in his daily life. On December 1st, 2020, she shared this following on Facebook post, which has racked up hundreds of thousands of shares. She writes, Clifford and I have been married almost 41 years. Anybody? that's needing marital advice, you can listen up right now, okay? And I have made his lunch every working day since day one. On occasion, I would join him on the job site and have lunch with him. He made the comment once that, that lunch tasted better when you share it with someone you love. Soon after that, while fixing his sandwich one night, I took a bite out of it before putting it away. When he got home, long before cell phones, he commented that someone took a bite out of his sandwich. I told him that since I couldn't join him for lunch, I took a bite so he knew I was joining him. I continue to do this frequently, unless it's tuna and pimento cheese. And he, sa- and he still says, Saw you join me for lunch today, and it was good. See, Tracy wanted her husband to know she was just thinking about him. She was actually joining him in his daily experience. We have a God that wants to do that with us. That's why he says, pray to me, talk to me. That's all he's saying, by the way, talk to me. Learn about me. Have a relationship with me. We have a relational God. He wants to be our friend as well as our Savior and as well as our Lord. See, 
What is perhaps the most amazing thing is that when Jesus came, he came to meet us exactly where we are. Did you have to change before Jesus found you? Because I'll always say that, Jesus found you. Because I was lost. I didn't find Jesus. Nobody finds Jesus. A lost person doesn't know the way. Jesus finds you. Jesus found me. That's what happens. We don't find Jesus. We're not even looking for him. I didn't go through my life before. I would go through my life arguing that God existed. I definitely wasn't looking for him. I didn't believe he existed. And then one day, smack bang, he was there. He'd found me. I was a lousy hide-and-seek player. And he found you the same way. See, he was born under the law of God in order to redeem mankind from the, the regulations of the law. See, we can't keep the law. Do you know why the Old Testament still exists? So we can say, hey, well, I'm definitely not going to heaven if I have to do all that. And I'm, I'm a person that will say, should we attain to be better people? Oh, yeah, we should try. But we're not going to succeed. We're going to slip all the time. We can't be perfect. We can't even keep the Ten Commandments, let alone the 600 and whatever there is, 613. We need Jesus. We need Jesus. See, in doing so, Jesus' perfect life met the requirements that the law demanded. I say it this way, to put it in 2022's language. Everybody knows what copy and paste is? Okay, this is, this is what Jesus did. God takes Jesus and he goes, he takes us and he goes, delete. Turns it all blue, makes it delete. That's your life, your sin. He just goes, delete. Then he goes over here and copies Jesus and he goes, copy. And he comes over here, drags it over here and he pastes it on your life. The reason you're acceptable to God isn't because you're going to ever be perfect. It's because when God looks at you, he sees Jesus. He sees Jesus. He's not looking at you. He's looking at you through Jesus. He's going, wow. That's how much our God loves us. That he doesn't hold our stupidity stupidity against us. You see, we fail all the time. Where Jesus succeeded over everything. We are loved into 
the family. The church is a family. We are a family. We are a small family inside a big family. And we were loved into that family. See, according to Galatians 4, the full expression of God's love is demonstrated in our spiritual adoption. He adopted us. I, I, my way is saying is I was the worst kid in an orphanage. Nobody wanted me. I was the kid in the corner. When anybody came in, they go, well, I don't want that kid. Last pick kids that took him, he burnt their house down. And then this man walks in. And he goes, I'll take that one. Nobody, nobody seems to want that kid. I'm going to take him. But I didn't change. I was the same person. But this this man kept loving me and loving me and loving me. And in the end, I'm like, well, he still loves me even though I'm an idiot. He keeps bailing me out of jail. Oh, I'm an idiot. He keeps loving me and loving me and loving me, no matter what I do. And then one day it goes, why do I want to act the way I'm acting to this man who wants to be my father? He wants to be my father. And I, 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 then I go, I want to please him. This is the first person that's ever loved me. Without any, like, he doesn't have any way of saying, you have to act like this or I'm not going to love you. You know, God never says that. He doesn't love me but for my behavior. He doesn't love you because of your behavior. Nobody would be going to heaven if he loved you on your behavior. Just, just heads up. We're all doomed if he loves you for your behavior. Because our behavior might look good sometimes, but most of the time, it's, if it, he, he, can, he knows what's going on up here, by the way. He knows what's going on up here. See, he adopts us, and we become children of God. Children of God. We're not his grandchildren. We're not his great-grandchildren. God doesn't have any of them. He only has children. Brothers and sisters of Christ. Next time I write my family, you know when they ask you, how many brothers and sisters do you have? I'm going to add one, by the way. I'm going to say, <laughs> I have two brothers, but now I have three because Jesus is my brother. And I'm going to put Jesus Christ on the form and see if anybody notices. Because we have been adopted into his family. You are all my brothers and sisters, for better and worse. I am your brother, for better or worse. Whether you call this church home, or you're just visiting, it doesn't matter. If you believe that God is real, and you believe that Jesus did what Jesus said he did, and he died for you and said it was finished, we are brothers and sisters.
We are given all the privileges of sonship and daughtership and God as our Father. The late pastor J.I. Packard wrote about this incredible expression of love that came to us at Christmas time. He writes this. Adoption is the highest privilege that the gospel offers. Higher even than justification. To be right with God, the judge is a great thing. But to be loved and cared for by God, the Father is greater. He loves and cares for you. Ephesians 1, 3 through, 4, 3 through 14 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. To the praise of his glorious grace with which he blessed, he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in, the wis- in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. As a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things to him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who walks all thing, works all things according to the counsel of his will. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you, all, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Who is, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it? To the praise of his glory. See, as a part of God's family, we were made blameless in God's sight. We were made blameless. Do you feel blameless? I don't. Our sins are washed away by his love. God's will and way are made known to us as a father might share with his child. See, we are chosen to receive hope 
and salvation. You were chosen by God to receive the gift. See, we are marked with a seal to ensure that we are filled by the Spirit of God and will inherit eternal life as one of God's precious possessions. Why do we not walk around like that? We are God's precious possessions. We should walk around feeling good because our God loves us, not because of anything the world says. We are not supposed to please the world. We're not supposed to live for the world. We are loved by God. All of this one made possible by the arrival of Jesus at just the right time to one day sacrificially give his life on a cross to validate God's amazing love for us. It's Christmas. We we think of baby Jesus at Christmas, but I never want to take the image. I told you the first thing I put on my Christmas tree is, can anybody tell me? A nail. Thank you very much. A six-inch spike. And the reason I put that on first and take it off last is because I want Christmas. I want to remember why Jesus was born. Not just that we're celebrating the life of Christ being born. I want to remember why he was being born. He was being born so he could die for me. We need to let that sink in. We need to let it touch us. We need to love freely. Love freely received is love freely given. See, this is what I'm trying to get point across. Every week, basically, you could listen to one of my sermons, and it's the same over and over again, just said different ways. You've got to be very creative, by the way, to do this. But, but basically, being a Christian means I, I know I'm loved, so I'm going to love people. That's what being a Christian means. I know that I don't deserve the grace that's given to me. So I, I, I understand that. So I want to give grace freely to other people in my life. Not because they deserve it. Because nobody would get it. Because nobody deserves grace. Because grace means they don't deserve it. See, the reason love must be at the heart of Christmas is because if we miss this being the central message of the season, in the midst of the light and presence, we may never receive it for ourselves. See, what is perhaps the most tragic about this oversight is that we often give that the kind of love that we perceive to be ours. See, if we have not experienced the grace of God... It is difficult to offer the grace of God. If we do not know the compassion of God, it is difficult to express the compassion of God. But when we recognize the kind of love that God has for us, it becomes the way in which we treat ourselves. Treat ourselves and others around us. Because we have to love ourselves and we have to love others. 
Because we know what we've been. It's so easy. You, you go to a store right now. I've got to do some last minute Christmas shopping. Right? You go to the store, you do some last minute Christmas shopping. I'm telling you, it's not fun. You're probably going to want to scream and shout. But it's the perfect time to show people who you are and whose you are. By saying to somebody, hey, why don't you go in front of me? Have you ever been in the store and you've got, you've, you've got somebody and they've got their kids with them and they're waiting and they've got a cart full of groceries and you've got like few things and you think, hmm, I've only got a few things. They've got a lot of things and you go, oh, I'm not, hmm. I should let them in front of me, but really, I'm going to be here a lot longer if I do. But they've got three kids in the cart screaming, not wanting to be at the grocery store or wherever. And, and instead, if we believe what we believe, we should say, hey, why don't you go in front of me? You look, it's fine. There's so many different ways to show people what you believe. Show the grace and the mercy and the love that you've received. But we, we go out, we leave these doors, we go out of the church, and we just go about life as normal before we even accepted Christ. We get mad at people. We're driving down the road and somebody's in front of us at a traffic light and we, we uh, honk our horn and do some sign language. And we think it's okay because we're not at church. But the problem with that is Jesus is sitting in the car with you. Jesus is in the store with you. Everywhere you go, he is. This is just the building. If this building burns down, by the way, we're still a church. Because we're still people together. Church is people, not a building. So wherever I am, the church is. We need to start living like that. Start acting like that. Start believing that. This is just a building. If we realize this, and when we recognize this kind of love that God has for us, it becomes the way in which we treat others. You see, the most famous passage in the Bible about love helps us understand God's feelings towards us and the way we should feel about our spouse, our children, our friends, and our neighbors and our enemies. It comes from the passage that, that Jackie read for us, 1 Corinthians 13. See, we get caught up in all kinds of things, even good things. And we miss the whole point. If love is not our motivating factor. What I'd like to do with this verse is this. I like to take the word love out. 
And I like to put myself in it. And, 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 and it's a grading thing. I'm not doing very well some days. So I'll put Ed is patient and kind. Ed does not envy or boast. Ed is not arrogant. Ed is not rude. Ed does not insist on his own way. He is not irritable or resentful. You can ask my wife about that irritable one. She will tell me I fail on that one pretty, pretty often. Ed does not rejoice at wrongdoing. Ed rejoices with the truth. Ed bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. See, love, like we have been given from God, should cause us to be patient and kind to one another. It should cause us to avoid being envious of one another. Or proud. Love drives us to honor others and to keep a cool head. Love is is present when we avoid evil and rejoice with good. Does this sound like the love you have received from God? Does it sound like the love you display in your life? How are you doing? The, this passage might sound like this during Christmas. If I decorate my house perfectly with plaid bows, strands and twink, of twinkly lights and shiny ornaments, but do not have love, I'm just another decorator. If I work hard in the kitchen baking Christmas cookies, preparing gourmet meals and arranging a beautiful adorned table at mealtime, but do not have love, I'm just another cook. If I work at a soup kitchen cowl, or cowl in a nursing home and give all that I have to charity, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. If I trim the spruce with shimmering angels and and crocheted snowflakes, attend a myriad of holiday parties and sing in the choir, but do not focus on Christ, I have missed the point. See, this is what love does. Love stops the cooking to hug the child. Love Sets aside the decorating to kiss the spouse. Love is kind even when hurried and tired. Love does not envy another's home that has coordinated Christmas china and table linens. See, love does not yell at the kids to get out of their way, but is thankful they are there to be in the way. Love does not give only to those who are able to give in return, but rejoices in giving to those who cannot give in return. See, love bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. This means, by the way, 
Another bit of marital advice thrown into a Christmas sermon. Love this. Love bears all things. You support each other, okay? Believes all things. You think the best until proven otherwise. Okay? If your spouse comes home a little bit later, don't accuse them of doing something that you thought they were doing. Believe the best until it's been proven that it's not true. You hope for all things. And you endure all things. That means when you struggle, you stay together. It makes you stronger, not weaker. See, love never fails. Love is putting somebody else before you. That, what, that is what it means to really love, is to think of somebody else more than yourself. You know, what sort of world would it be if we could all live like that? I would still be loved because everybody would love me. You would be loved because everybody would love you. That's what God wants for our lives. That's what sort of love he wants for our lives. Billy Graham says this. When you come to Jesus and accept him as your Lord and Savior, he gives you a supernatural love that allows you to love your enemy whom you normally would not love. That means you put your enemy's values before your own. Because that's what it means to really, really love. That's what we're called to do. We are supposed to reflect the Son. We are supposed to be reflecting Jesus. So if we can receive the gift of love that he has so given to us, not just at this season, but every single day of our life, we can change the community. We can change people's lives. It doesn't matter how big we are. It matters that we live a certain way. It matters that we love people. We love God. We love people. That's it. That's it. So, homework. It's on your sheet, I think. But I think I did it this week. You discuss your, your, your questions to ask yourself. What kind of effect should God's love have on us? Why do you think Paul uses the imagery of a family to communicate how God feels about you? What benefit of being in God's family that is listed in Ephesians 1, 3-14 is most exciting and encouraging to you? And why is that? And four... What is one practical way, this is the most important if you don't do any of the others, what is one practical way to share God's love with someone else this week? What is something that you can do to show the love that has been shown to you? See, toys will break. Jewelry gets lost. Golf clubs rust. 
food will be eaten. If you get any tech for Christmas, it'll be, it'll be out of date by the first of the year. But if you give the gift of love, it will endure forever. So this Christmas, look upon the arrival of Jesus as the ultimate gift from God. The kind of gift where the only proper response is to receive it. May that love you receive in your heart cause you to live it out every single day of the upcoming year. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, you are such a good, good Father. Thank you for sending your Son to live a sinless life because we couldn't have done it, God, so that we could experience eternal life with you. And thank you for loving us, all of us, and making a way of salvation for all those who put their faith and their trust in you, God. Help us to live out this life. Help us to show the love, the love that you have shown us to somebody this week. We don't have to tell them why we're doing it this week. But just do something every day. God, help us to do something every day that that moves people in this season, in this hustle and bustle that we live in. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.